Thank God I am redeemed. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? God, we come before your presence with thanksgiving. And we ask that your word would speak to us this day. May our eyes be open to the truth of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, this morning we are starting a new sermon series as we come to the end of the summer months here. Uh, the sermon series is called, I'm Glad You Asked. Uh, during this sermon series, we hope to answer a few questions that you might be thinking or wondering uh, that we as Christians practice. We hope to bring theological and biblical insight to some of the questions that are forgotten or taken for granted it is our prayer that as we explore these questions and these uh, conversations that you'll be able to hear God speak to you. That the Spirit of God will reach out to you and will minister to you. This morning, I'm, I'm glad you asked, uh, what is salvation and baptism? Do I need to be baptized in order to receive salvation? I'm glad you're asking me these questions this morning. And uh, before we answer these two very important questions, what is baptism and salvation? And do I need to be baptized in order to be saved? Uh, I want to share with you a story that was told to me uh, by a former parishioner of mine. He was about 88 years old. Uh, he was a farmer, um, and uh, he was gruff and you know, a little rough around the edges. And he came up to me and, Pastor, i got to tell you something. And I said, okay, what is it? And he goes on to say there was a conversation that took place between a, a Baptist pastor and a Methodist pastor. The Baptist pastor was ridiculing the Methodist pastor and saying that we Methodist pastors do not follow the Bible when it comes to baptism. And he, this Baptist pastor was loud and clear saying the only thing, the only way to baptize is by immersion baptism. And he made fun of the Methodist pastor. What is it that you do? Take a few droplets and put it on a person's head. You call that baptism? And so to this, the Methodist pastor replied, is immersion baptism baptism if the person is up to their hip? And he goes, oh, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't baptize somebody just up to their hips. He said, how about if you immerse them up to their chest? The Baptist pastor looked at him and said, no way. That's not baptism at all. That's not immersion. He said, what about up to the neck? The Baptist pastor looked at the Methodist pastor and said, let me tell you, the baptism is not done till the water is all over your head. To this, the Methodist pastor replied, what do you think I'm doing? I know you all are laughing. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be back next week. Right? <laughs> So, right, th this is something uh, that we do. Baptism, no matter which uh, Christian faith tradition you're part of, whether you're Catholic, uh, whether you are part of uh, a United Methodist tradition, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Independent Church, uh, Baptist, it doesn't matter which faith, Christian faith tradition you come from, that tree that you come from, we are all rooted uh, in scripture and we kind of cling to baptism as something that is really really important I'm glad that you are asking why is it that we practice baptism when in the Old Testament scriptures there is no mention of that I'm glad you asked that question to me this morning saying how did this practice of baptism come about 
So let me answer that question as to why we as a church started to baptize people. This, is a this started during a period called the intertestamental period. It is when the Old Testament came to an end and the New Testament started. There were about 500 years in between these two periods. See, when the Old Testament came to an end, the people of Israel who were in exile were coming back. The superpower at that time was the Persian Empire that was ruling over the land, and the Israelites were coming back home to rebuild their temple and reclaim their land. And during these 500 years uh, of time, the Jewish people were ruled by various kinds of people. The Persians ruled them, the Greeks ruled them, the Maccabeans ruled them, and eventually the Romans took over ruling them. So during this period, as they were returning back, during that 500-year period, something had shifted when it comes to the temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem was no longer seeking God. It was more in favor of the government that was ruling over the land than worshiping the true living God. And as people began to read scripture, they found that God was going to come back. And God would show God's self in the wilderness. So the people started moving out of Jerusalem in search of God and they went into they went into the wilderness. And as they went into the wilderness, there was a community that was formed. And this community was called the Essene community. And one of the things this Essene community required people to do in order for them to join is that they be baptized. The ritual of baptism come, came as a way of initiating new members into, into their community. When you were baptized, you were washed away of your past corruption. And you were agreeing to live by the principles of the Essene community. See, this Essene community is someone, John the Baptist in the New Testament, we believe that he was part of this community. So when John the Baptist was in the wilderness preaching a, a call to repentance, and people were baptized, in doing so, they were joining a new community. See, baptism in its earliest form was being initiated into something new, leaving the past behind and saying yes to something new. See, when Jesus and his disciples in the New Testament were being baptized, I would say the message of Jesus was resonating with the people who heard it, who heard the message of Jesus. It resonated with them, and they were willing to be baptized. They were willing to say yes to the message that Jesus was giving, to the message that Jesus was preaching. And John and his disciples, they were baptizing people as well. Baptism is rooted into in being incorporated into something new. A, a new, a greater purpose, a holier purpose. The practice of baptism was started when the religious establishment was, living, was not living up to the standards of God. So the Essene community created baptism as a way to incorporate people into their community. So if baptism is started by the Essene community, you ask, what is salvation? Should I need to be baptized so that I can receive salvation? I'm glad you asked that question. 
about baptism and salvation. The scripture that was read to us this morning was from Romans 10, 9 to 13. We read, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all who richly blesses us. For all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the reading from Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 13. Here the apostle is writing to the church in Rome. The church in Rome is a diverse church. It is a church filled with Greeks, Romans, and Jews. It's filled with people who are free and slaves. It's filled with women and children and men. And Paul is writing to this church. See, whenever the New Testament writer is writing to a church, they're, they're trying to do two things. And here Paul is trying to do two things. One is he's building that our understanding of God was based on the Old Testament. If God said, if the Old Testament taught us that God is a God of justice, then the writers of the New Testament want to make sure that we know that the God that we worship is a God of justice. The second thing is the New Testament writer wanted to teach us that Jesus was fully revealed, fully reveals to us our understanding of God. How Jesus' life teaches us to pursue God of the Old Testament, that Jesus was fully God. So Paul here is making a simple declaration and yet so complex. If you declare with your mouth, Paul writes, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. So simple and yet so complex. In order for us to be saved, in order for you to be saved today, to receive this salvation, all you need to do is say yes to Jesus. You need to say the person who rules your life is Jesus Christ. That we need to confess with our mouths and our heart that Jesus is Lord. That we will live by the teachings of Jesus. And we need to believe that Jesus, that God raised Jesus from the dead. That Jesus defeated death itself and offers us new life. That is salvation in a nutshell. Friends, I believe that we all have a God-sized hole in our souls. We're all looking to fill that hole. Some of us fill that with sin. Others, some with addiction. Some for other harmful things. But I believe that this God-sized hole, that hunger that is missing in your life, can only be filled by Jesus Christ and no one else. If you're going through life and saying something's not quite enough, something's not quite right with me, I need something in my life, let me share with you that Jesus is the only one who can fill that thirst in your life. When you confess Jesus is Lord, 
no matter what or who you are, if you're a child, an adult, a teenager, an older adult, a young adult, whoever you are, you just need to confess that Jesus is your Lord. You need to say from this day on, I will do and say what Jesus did. I will confess that I have sinned. In order to be in union with Christ, I need God to forgive me of my sins. And that offering was done on the cross. That Jesus dying on the cross and he rose again destroying sin and death. Friends, when you do that, you will experience new life. Things will be different for you. Let me share this story with you. I met a young man. Um, at best, he can be described as a non-religious person. I spoke to him on several occasions after church, and he would uh, be at church uh, maybe once a month or so. And he told me very openly, Pastor, the only reason I'm here is to please my wife. And I looked at him and I said, Brother, let me tell you, I do a lot of things to please my wife. I'm glad you're in church. You know, he would occasionally show up to um, stuff for his kids, uh, children's ministry stuff that we would do. Once in a while, he'd be there. And then a year or so later, I approached him and I said, hey, do you want to join a Bible study? And he gave me that look, saying, are you crazy, Pastor? I said, hey, I'm starting a new Bible study. It's called Theology at the Tap. You're going to Timothy's restaurant here. Are we gonna, they have good burgers and good fries. I'm sure your, your wife will give you a night off if you say you're going to a restaurant, and not a restaurant to eat by yourself, but a Bible study. I'm sure she'll be happy about it. He said, that's a good pitch. And he showed up <laughs> to this Bible study. And we read the Bible in 90 days. Every week we had to almost read a book of the Bible. We had a blast. We had about 12 people that were uh, coming to this Bible study and he fell in love with Scripture. And later that fall, he said, Pastor, I want to be baptized. I know you baptized my kids, but I want to be baptized as well. See, this young man, through that process, confessed what Paul was telling us. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that is what this young man did. And this salvation led him to the waters of baptism. In the United Methodist Church, friends, we believe that baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision to put our faith in Jesus Baptism is a symbolic act of a public profession of our faith, of our salvation. Friends, let me tell you, I baptized that young man in church that day, on that Sunday, and I poured so much water over his head, any Baptist pastor would be proud of me. I guess this leads me to your next question. But you might be saying, but pastor, you just said baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision to put your faith in Jesus. How come you baptize infants who have not confessed Jesus as their Lord, yet they receive baptism? Why do you do that? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked that question as to why we as United Methodists baptize infants, infants who can't even speak. I'm glad you asked that question. But before I talk about 
the United Methodist understanding of baptism, let me kind of talk to you a little bit about the, script, the scriptural basis as to why we baptize infants. The second scripture that was read to us this morning was from Acts chapter 16. The context of this story in Acts chapter 16 verses 29 to 34 is Paul and Silas being captured and thrown in prison. So that's kind of where we pick this story up. So let me tell you a little bit what happened before all this. So Paul and Silas were in this town and they were preaching the gospel and they were publicly humiliated. They were beaten. The judicial system failed them for they were Roman citizens. They were not given a trial and yet they were thrown in prison. That night when they were thrown in prison, Paul and Silas began to sing God's praises despite being physically hurt, emotionally and publicly humiliated. They decided that when the prison chains are binding them down, when they were crying out in pain and agony, they decided to sing God's praises. Friends, that is a testament to their faith. See, if I was me in Paul and Silas' faith, I would be having a very, what I call it, a, a passionate conversation with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It would go something like this, God, why? Why would you publicly humiliate me? Why would you physically harm me when all I was doing was preaching the gospel? That's how my conversation would have gone that night, but not for Paul and Silas. They were singing God's praises. They were proclaiming God's goodness in their lives. Friends, this morning, I want to take a side note and ask you this question. If you feel like there are chains that are binding you down, if you feel like what you are doing day in and day out and the results are not fair, I think Paul and Silas is somebody we need to follow and not me this morning. That we need to sing praises to God even when we feel like we are imprisoned. Even when we are feeling the hurt and the pain. We are called to sing God's praises. Because when we sing God's praises, the scriptures tell us that those chains are broken. Those chains are broken. They are completely let loose. I hope you can follow Paul and Silas' example and discover the deliverance that God will give you when you sing praises to God, when you feel like you're chained. So Paul and Silas are singing God's praises and then there's a huge earthquake. The chains are falling down. The doors of the temple are completely broken down. Uh, the prison are completely broken down and the jailer shows up wanting to kill himself because he knows that they, that all the prisoners would have escaped. And he reaches out to Paul and says, what should I do to be saved? What should I do to be saved? See, here in this passage, we read that the jailer and his whole household were saved and they were baptized this means that everyone in his house, his wife, his children, his male slaves, female slaves, and even infants. One thing that we notice when we talk about baptism, that this is something that happens all the time. In the New Testament, when we read about baptism, 
usually the people who are counted are just men. But we know when we read the New Testament stories that there were women that followed Jesus all the time. We know for a fact that there were children who would go and listen to Jesus. So when there is baptism, implicitly it says that there were children and women who were baptized as well. So that is our biblical foundation as to why we as the United Methodist Church do baptism because we believe that the jailer's house and his household was fully baptized. And friends, what is our theological framework or our understanding about baptism? See, when the Essene community invented baptism, it said that they were being incorporated into a new community. We as United Methodists believe that, that baptism is a sacrament. It is a sacrament that we believe that we are incorporated into God's family. See, this is God's actions. God's grace is given to us even when we do not deserve it. It is given and God is doing the action here. Friends, that is the reason we baptize infants. So if you're asking these questions about what is baptism and what is salvation, I hope you have understood what they are. But I want to end by reading this to remind us about what it means to be saved. What does it mean? How do we live when we say that we are saved, that we are baptized Christians? I want us to read together the Wesley Covenant Prayer. I want to invite Pastor Cindy and Pastor Joanne, and I want to invite you to read this prayer out loud with us. This is a prayer called the Wesley Covenant Prayer, written by John Wesley. Let us pray together. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee, or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I am freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Oh God, we ask that your grace would abound over us this day. That you would speak to us. That we would live into this prayer that we've just prayed. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.